Hello, everybody. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Fe- um, the Flick Talk. I was going to say Fee and Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Not welcome back to Fee and Bell. Welcome back to Flick Talk. It's kind of like welcome back to Fee and Bell. I am yeah. Fee. And I am Bell. But, um, <laughs> but um, thank you guys for joining us once again. I have actually lost track of what movie or what episode this is now um it seems like we've done quite a few so um yeah welcome back to our next episode <laughs> and today this we'll is our be- sixth episode it's i our think sixth episode. Yeah. wow thank you so yeah yeah so um so today um like we announced last week we will be um we will be doing um princess diaries one so stay Yay. tuned and i hope you enjoy it i hope you enjoy all that we've got to say and feel free to um, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. How was your day? Please? My day was good. It was productive today. Um, for mm. once in ages. Been do- um, podcast admin. That's it. But yeah, how was your day? Well, um, mine was good. Just work, you know. All work, no play. Well, this is my playtime, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was very... Um, it was very... Yeah, very okay. Not yeah, honestly, no, neither here nor there. You know, obviously we're still in lockdown, so um, there's very little, very little to say. To be honest, I feel like the only conversations that people have these days are like the weather, because obviously it snowed last week, and then um, it's it gets like we get like sunny, sunny moments, and you're like, oh, hope, and then it like rains, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay, we're back to normal. And um, well, I mean, it was Valentine's Day a couple of days ago. That's oh, yes, yes, it was Valentine's Day. So, um, happy Valentine's Day to well, happy belated Valentine's Day to everyone out there. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I hope you had nothing anymore. No, I mean, I hope for what it's worth, you all had um, a nice day, regardless of what you did. Whether you spent it with a loved one or spent it alone, I hope you enjoyed yourself. Everyone was safe and yeah, everyone was distanced and celebrating Valentine's Mm. Day with their loved ones. Again, doesn't have to be someone romantic, Mm. can be your dog or your friends (laughs) in that order. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Most people have dogs or cats right now with them, so I'm guessing that's your Valentine's. Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, moving on. Um, so yeah, mm. we today we're gonna be discussing the Princess Diaries, um, the first one in the saga, the best one, I think. Yeah, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, yeah. So, Belle, have you watched this movie before? Um, and if not, how did you? I mean, I've watched it before, but it was so long ago. It felt like I was watching it for the first time again. I must have watched it not long after it came out because I was so young. I mean, I was probably like eight, maybe, when I watched it. And I don't think I've watched it again. I mean, I may have watched Mm -hmm. it once or twice when I was a teenager, but I don't even remember that. So it feels like I was watching it for the first time. And it's interesting because later on I'll like kind of go into seeing it from the perspective of a young girl and then seeing it from the perspective of of like an adult now. So yeah, that'll be interesting to dive into. And how is it for you? How is it for you? Well, I haven't 
watched it. Well, I watched it not that long ago, actually. One of my um, roommates that I met during that time had never ever watched Princess Diaries, mm-hmm. so we could only find the first one with her and we watched it and I love uh, love okay. love this movie again because it's got Gary it's directed by Gary Marshall it's got Anne Hathaway who's <laughs> one of my favourite actresses ever it's got Julie Andrews who is also one of my favourite act- actresses um, but yeah it just makes me feel all the feels and I actually didn't watch it when it came out because I think I was too young mm. When it came out, so I wouldn't have really understood it. But yeah. I remember watching this at primary school, and um, I was probably like eight or nine mm. when I first. W- actually, yeah, I didn't watch it. I read the books with my sisters. Oh, did you? Obviously, I'll go into that more. Yeah, I I read the books. That's how I actually knew about it. So I never watched the movies um, oh, I until see. I was quite older. So I think I watched the so my f- the first book I read when I was about seven or eight mm. um and then i think i watched the film when i was like probably nine ten okay um but yeah i'll go into that later okay. on but that's how i know the princess diaries see i didn't i never realized it was um it was a book i never knew that the books are a hundred percent better yeah i, I feel I, like I, that's I always yeah i feel like that's always what happens yeah yeah i think if i could i'd go back and read it just for comfort because like yeah so my sisters both of them like uh had the whole collection um mm. and i i yeah i remember like one of my sisters used to read it to me because oh. obviously i was too young to like not read yeah. it um and then i started reading and that's how I, and then at the time i was also like it was it was the princess diaries and harry potter for me which was like two of my main like i loved it but yeah i'm so excited to be discussing oh. this little <laughs> franchise yeah i'm excited um yeah so let's move on without further Mm. ado um so obviously as always i'm gonna kind of delve into the abouts of the movie just the normal background info why is my pages not going down (laughs) there we go um so for people who haven't seen the film Number one, what the hell are you doing here? Um, <laughs> go and watch it before Everyone's you tune in. Everyone's <laughs> Or go and read it before you... Mm. Actually, no, no, go and watch it, I think. Um, but yeah, for those who haven't read or watched the movie, I'm going to do a little description, as I always do, um, just to kind of get give you an insight. Um, go for so it. Here it goes. Thank you, Belle, for that voucher You're support. very welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> Back to me. <laughs> Back to Fee in the studio. <laughs> um, okay, so Mia Thermopolis is the average teenager. Sweet, a little geeky, and pretty much invisible to everyone with the exception of her mother, best friend Lily, and Lily's older brother, Michael. Side note, never knew he was older than me. I didn't, so literally um, when he just said, I, exactly. I thought he was her younger brother. <laughs> I thought they. Were, I thought he was well, uh, about the same the age, brother. maybe. Yeah, but I never thought he was older. Yeah, and they were just in that same yeah. grade. Yeah. Um, making it through high school without throwing up is a challenge in itself for Mia. So it doesn't come as welcome news when her estranged grandmother, Queen Clarice Rinaldi, shows up out of the 
deeply and calmly informs her that she is, in fact, the heir to the throne of a European country called Genovia. Suddenly, Mia's life is thrown into a complete overload. She's being taught about scarves, waves, and pears in order to become a perfect princess. She gets a makeover and a tough-looking yet sweet bodyguard and limo driver called Joe. Things get out of hand when the media gets a hold of the story and suddenly Mia is thrust into the spotlight in the newspapers and in school. On top of all of that, Mia has a choice to make. She must decide by Genovia's Independence Day ball whether she longs to relinquish her claim on the throne or that doesn't make sense or to become the princess mm. and heir to the throne her father Philip Rinaldi that's how they pronounce it that's how I'm pronouncing it like that Rene Aubergenat oh my god I can't <laughs> even say that <laughs> Aubergenois and her brother and her grandmother want her to be so is that quite fitting yeah I think so so as we all know this is a movie directed by Gary Marshall um, but obviously it's based on Meg um, Cabot's no- uh, novels sorry edit it's also based on Meg Cabot's novels um, who's written so there's actually like 20 I think there's like 20 yeah 20 like volumes in the series series um, there's oh, a really? lot and like one of my favorites is um Oh wow! Yeah, I did so not they condense it all onto this movie, and then that's why I think like when the obviously we're going to talk about this next week is the second movie is so kind of um, far mm. attached because it's just like it just picks out of the middle because you don't know she's twenty one at that point also and like so much has happened. Um, one of mine is like when they go, um, I think they go like to Paris or somewhere, or they. They go to like a different country and her and Mia and her friend Lily and the brother go like and they have like this summer vacation and then obviously there's one after the first one where they go to Genovia and like she basically learns the lay of the land and stuff. Um, so there's there's so mm. many um, and Meg uh, Cabot also wrote Avalon High if anyone remembers that which I remember they made it into a DCOM which was a Disney channel original movie oh gosh no i don't know it. um so basically this the story for this came along because um and it used to say on the back of all of the princess diaries movie uh, not diary movies sorry all of the princess diaries books um and it basically used to say like meg cabot re- basically kind of writes a letter to the reader at the end um and she's like even though um this story isn't real um, uh, when I was younger, I always like whenever she used to basically get mad with at her parents or like when she used to have a fight with her parents, she always used to think like she those are not her actual parents, and she used to be like, oh, I'm, I bet I'm like adopted and I'm like the princess of like a land or whatever, and so that's where this oh right this idea oh, um of this novel came, um, and so obviously Mia is um an example of Mag- Meg Cabot's um mm. imagination um which I always loved that like mm. the idea and I always used to think as well I was like what if like to my sisters I was like what if like we're princesses <laughs> like of a country like Genovia <laughs> and we just don't know it yet <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> oh my god! No, imagine. I honestly used to say that because I always used to read it at the back every time you finished the book. Um, but I always thought that was such a little sweet anecdote. Oh, that's so yeah, sweet. I always thought it was just a, such a little sweet mm. anecdote that she like puts to her readers at the end. Um, yeah. So it was. Um, um, so obviously it's directed by Gary Marshall. It's also produced by, and not a lot of people knew this, but Whitney Houston. Fee, I had to literally be like, is it the Whitney Houston? Is this like a random Whitney yeah. Houston that happens to have the same name? I couldn't believe it. I had no, no idea. Yeah. No idea. So literally as yeah. the, um, as the, oh, what's the word for it? Um, the credits. As, Credit. yeah, as the credits were like coming yeah. up, I was like, wait, not Whitney Houston. This I was like, no, yeah, this is no, a no, different no. Whitney Houston. It's not the Whitney Houston. But yeah, after further research, I was like, oh, it is her. But yeah, yeah, because I think, and also, you're not alone because I think a lot of us didn't know that it was the Whitney mm. Houston. And then in like 2017, and I read this article on it basically in 2017 or 2018, like the whole film resurfaced because obviously Meghan Markle was. I'm sorry, I. The Duchess of Sussex, mm. um, uh, like their wedding, basically resurfaced around that oh, time, and then everyone was like, "Wait right. a minute, why is it produced by Whitney Houston?" And then there's actual pictures of Whitney Houston and Hathaway and Gary Marshall, right. like, and like Julie Andrews oh, as well. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, fun fact, guys. It's fun so fact. cool. Like you heard it here from us. Fun fact. I know. For me, I I made that. <laughs> I'm joking. She made it happen. <laughs> made, I mean, I wasn't... Well, I was born, but, you know, my vibes. Um, <laughs> so, um, The Princess Diaries was also Whitney Houston's first feature film production venture. Okay. Um, which is, wow, mm. that's lucky. That's a really good venture to start off on. Um Deborah Martin Chase was also a producer and she is well known as the first African American female producer to have like a, a deal that like I think it was Warner Bros mm. that is distributed yeah so like I'm at a major studio right. basically um and uh there's another producer called Marlo Escovich I don't know how you say that name um and the screenplay was written by that name Gina Wenkos um, with help from Deborah Martin Chase mm-hmm. and then Meg Cabot. Um, mm-hmm. Another fact: Marshall found the story enjoyable for entire families and was particularly drawn towards the idea of a young girl turning into a woman and realizing that she can have a positive effect on the world. And another fun fact: he mm. didn't approach the product pro- uh, project. He was approached by Warner Bros. and the producers to. Um, to make this movie because they thought that oh. he would be the best person to tell the story and it's he's obviously he's, he's such a cute I don't know I think I, I love his like vision yeah he's movies. a good storyteller um, but yeah yeah um, so initially um, the it's in the book I think it's set in New York and the movie was supposed to be set in New York as well um, but they changed the setting in the movie to San Francisco um, because of um, Gary Marshall's twin granddaughters which is really cute and oh. because the whole film is dedicated to them um, 
because they read the books and stuff as well and they were th- like again that was right. also another reason why he took on this project um, which is really sweet so another thing um, in addition to like this whole idea of like becoming a prince or whatever coming from Meg Cabot another part of the film which was also influenced by her childhood was the part where her mother like was dating teachers after her dad's death um uh mm. Cabot was Cabot said that it was like you know um uncomfortable but also kind of made a great addition to the script um yeah go on that's interesting because I'm I'm going to like address it when I get to the mm-hmm. I think it's the script yeah when I get to the script there's something I wanted to mention about that and it's interesting that she I mean basically the point I want to I want I do want to make I'll expand on it when I get there yeah um I wanted to see more about her um her mom's relationship with the teacher because I think it's such a big thing especially if you're you're a teenager and you're in school and your mom's dating a teacher I, I think it's a big thing and I, I'm surprised it didn't it it wasn't talked about more in the movie so it's interesting that she actually lived through that but it it doesn't really translate into the movie it yeah, doesn't I mean, make sense i agree with that like of yeah. course we'd want i think of course that would be a part of any teenager's like life and it would be a massive aspect on like like so basically yeah. the the way the book is written it's like like literally diary entries and journal entries so every chapter is it's not as descriptive okay. as like a non-fiction or uh, well at least i don't remember oh, it to be like right, that but okay. it's basically a series of letters um okay. so i think it does go into the relationship in some of the other books so like proceeding um uh. like after they basically go to genovia and then come back um so I think in the books, like there are, there is like a huge thing where she's kind of upset with her mum for a bit and like um, that she's like moving on so quickly. Oh, but okay. obviously, I think the main goal for the movie was to kind of create this positive um, female um, empowerment and kind of yeah, kind of yeah, vouch yeah, for yeah, that, basically. yeah. Um, mm. But it's funny you say that because um, there's also another fact that she like despite her being so involved in all of like the changes like with the producers and the screenwriters um she also distances herself like from the creative process to like just kind of preserve her like mental health like she didn't want too much of her personal life into the book um so that okay yeah yeah that makes yeah okay so that's fair enough i I don't know if that answers your question so that's why the book and film are two separate universes because the book is obviously more invested mm. um whereas the film is mainly revolved around mia i don't know if that answers the question yeah um, okay got you yeah 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 that does make sense that um sense. i'm gonna move on to the cast of course so first we have queen mary, mary poppins herself julie andrews as clarice rinaldi um, Mia's grandmother and the reigning queen of Genovia. I love Julie Andrews. Like, I don't think anyone else could have played the role um, better than she has. Um, and then obviously we have Anne Hathaway as Mia Thermopolis, heir to the throne and princess of Genovia. 
um, Hector Elizondo as Joe, um, who is the head of security and the limousine driver. Um, Sophie, can I interrupt really quickly? Yeah. Sorry. So I feel like Gary Marshall loves certain yeah. characters. I feel like um, this character that you um, you just mentioned, what was his name? Have Hector Elizondo. Um, I was literally going to get to say, yeah. yeah. Go on, say yeah, it. and Anne Hathaway both feature in Valentine's Day, which yeah. is also a um, and Julia Roberts, who mm-hmm. uh, Gary Marshall directed Pretty Woman. So yeah. it seems like he loves to work with the same people, which makes sense. So but he- yeah, I just yeah. thought I'd like add a little bit of you know, I just thought yeah, I'd add that in there for you know pizzazz. Guys, yeah, go course. watch all his movies. <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, I, 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 I want to have a Gary Marshall movie day. Honestly, I think I'm just gonna end up crying. Um, <laughs> Don't um, do yeah. So Hector Elizondo is one of the actors who has been in every single Gary Marshall movie. Yeah, really. So he's the one one cu- member who's been one member, and then I think his daughter and his wife, Kathleen, and I can't think of his wife's name. Um, so are they both actresses, his wife and his daughter? Yeah. So, oh. so basically, Gary Marshall made this really popular TV series called Happy Days. Um, oh yes. Yeah, which was which it still is to this day an American. I don't yeah. even think it's an American phenomenon. I think it's a general like global phenomenon. Um, I remember I used to watch it with my sister, and I again it was just like his what he's kind of known for basically um, i can't remember this um who told me uh, yeah, this but someone actually told me that the, um it became popular in the uk because there was something there was something going on with the channels with the uk channels so basically happy days would like yeah. play all the time yeah. on repeat and then it became like a massive thing because everyone started watching happy days because that was one of the only things on tv I can't remember who told me yeah, this, but it used to be on reruns. That's how we used right, to watch it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Um, her name is Barbara Walters. Sorry, I'm talking about Gary Marshall's wife. Um, yeah. So she is. Wait, is it Barbara Walters? Yeah. Mm. Um. So she, he's kind of again known for just working with a similar cast in almost every movie. Um, so next is Heather Matarazzo, which is Lily Mos- Moskowitz. Um, mm. Mia's eccentric yeah. and socially conscious childhood best friend. Robert Schwartzman as Michael Moskowitz. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, he is from the Schwartzman slash Coppola f- like film dynasty. So basically he is... Okay, I'm not, I don't know how to word it, but he is related to Francis Ford Coppola, who made the Godfather trilogy. Um, because his Francis Ford Coppola's sister Talia Shire who is also in The Godfather oh. is um, uh, what's his name where am I where am I Robert Schwartzman's mum um, and Robert Schwartzman and Jason Schwartzman who I well I don't know if you know him from Marie Antoinette um, and oh he's in a lot of things like it's just not coming to me right now but they're like a whole kind of dynasty too and then Mm-mm. big fam like film family and then 
he okay. is also somehow related to Nicolas Cage. Like, like a big... Uncle-wise. Empire. So he's basically mm. got the best of both worlds. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Come on. Um, so yeah, Lily's older brother who harbours oh, romantic goodness. feelings for Mia. Mandy Moore um, as the obnoxious <laughs> Lena Thomas. Um, Have you seen this philosophy? No, I don't. Want oh my to see gosh, right Fee. Now, guys. guys, the only reason I brought that up is because Mandy Moore is like, in yeah, she heard. she's in This Is Us, and This Is Us is such a good show. So guys, go watch This Is Us. Well, I mean, Milo Ventimiglia is in it as well, and he's like a really good character, isn't he? But he, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, and dies, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Watch it for two reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have Caroline Goodall as Helen Thermopolis, who is Mia's mother. Um, Eric von Detten. Oh, he's Josh Bryant, who's the annoying guy that she likes. He's so stupid. Uh, so next is Patrick uh, Patrick Fluger as Jeremiah Hart, who is the red-headed friend of uh, Mia and Lily, an aspiring magician. Um, Sean O'Brien as Patrick O'Connell English, Mia's English teacher who also dates her mum my favourite and I'm sure Belle's favourite Mrs or Miss Sandra Effing O when I saw that she when I saw that she was in it I was like wait how did I not how do I not remember Sandra O being in um, Princess, I was going to say Dirty Dancing <laughs> in Princess Diaries. I forgot, yeah. yeah, I forgot. But actually. guys, we're we're excited because we're Grey Grey's Anatomy fans, and she's like amazing in it. I know she's amazing. Um, we, you know, what we should start doing. We should have like a little tally because every film that we've watched so far has somebody from Grey's. Oh, so this is probably number four. Ooh, then, yeah, let's do a tally. Listeners, if you're if you're listening, I mean you should be. Um, um, if you've listened to our previous episodes, please let us know on Twitter um, or Instagram um, how many times we've Grey's has come up mm-hmm. or a character from Grey's mm-hmm. has come up in the films that we're watching. Um, I think my count is four. Yeah, four. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because I'm thinking Valentine's Day has Mark yeah. Sloan. I just called him by his grace name. It's got Patrick Dempsey and it's got... um. Oh, he plays Mark Sloan. Um, he's uh, Eric Dane. And it's Eric got Dane. Eric Dane. We've also got... Um, yeah. Yes, I love you. Wait, who's... Oh, yes. Um, It's got d- the guy that plays Danny Duquette. Danny. I, his real name escapes me. Um, and yeah, um, Jeffrey yes. something. Yeah, Leap Year. Did, was anyone no from one Leap Year? From Leap Year. Grey's Anatomy. No, no one from Leap Year. But okay, so I think it's like five now. And I feel like no, four. We've got Patrick Dempsey four. and something else maybe, but it hmm, it escapes me. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we anyway, digress, sorry. guys. Apologies. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Um, Kathleen Marshall, of course, who is Gary Marshall's daughter, um, as Charlotte Cutaway, who is Queen Clarice's secretary. 
Oh, she's a really good sex you guys. Oh wow. Oh I liked her in that. That's the reference yeah, I was I making. Her. Loved her. Um uh Renee Ober I don't even know how to say this, Geno Genoa as the voice of Philip Rinaldi, Mia's late father and former mm. Prince of Genovia. Gerald Hathaway, who is Anne Hathaway's father, who they used a photograph of him in the movie. Oh. Um yeah, for like the whole oh. effect. Um, as we discussed in the Valentine's Day, very profusely, Larry Miller, who is Paolo Putineska, Mia's hairdresser and beautician, <laughs> um, who is, again, a notable character in any mm. ga- uh, Gary Marshall movie. Um, by far the f- creepiest <laughs> character, Patrick Richwood as Mr. Oh Robertson, Mia's neighbour and an Emmy Award winning writer and then they also had the San Francisco mayor mm. Willie Brown as himself and then of course Fat Louie as himself Mia's cat portrayed by four different cats including one of Anne Hathaway's oh. own <laughs> cat um, so a couple of casting facts very quickly I'm just going to go over this there were also other um, young actress- actresses who had been considered for the role um, for example, Reese Witherspoon was a contender, Kirsten oh. Dunst, Alicia Silverstone, Jessica Biel, another mm. Gary Marshall favorite, Claire Danes, um, Kate Hudson, Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Brittany Murphy, RIP, Katie Holmes, um, Christina Applegate, um, Kate Beckinsale, and Ava Mendes. Um, and actually Liv Tyler I think was cast in it for a bit and then she, um, apparently she couldn't do it for some reason and then Christy Carson Ramona who we all know as the voice from Kim Possible and the la- the daughter in Even oh. Stevens I don't oh, know what her name is in Even Stevens I love, I love all the fun facts coming out Even about Stevens, this but of course now it's ruined because of Shire I was literally I was so I think I told you this Belle that I was actually going to watch this Even Stevens movie like a few weeks ago but obviously now I just can't watch it mm. it's more important there's, there's other things that are more important um <laughs> Oh, and another thing. So uh, the reason why um, Anne Hathaway got cast um, was because mm. that uh, Gary Marshall's granddaughters felt that she was more of a princess or looked more princess-like than Liv Tyler, which is, Aww. again, really cute. Um, mm. And I think this is... So basically, this is uh, Anne Hathaway's first major or first movie role um, ever. Um I used oh, to think wow. she did a really she's good job. Amazing in this movie, I think. Um, yeah. She fi- she got the audition, or I think she got the part because like she fell over in her audition and stuff. I'm guessing that's what they were looking for in terms of like the clumsy like ties clumsy. and blah blah. blah. Um, in terms of um, Clarice's character, Marshall personally invited mm. Andrews to discuss the film with him, and she was kind of semi-retired when this film came. But she did it because she loved Gary Marshall and she wanted to work with him. Um, but apparently he also approached Sophia Loren. Um, and obviously I think she mm. declined it for... I don't know why. 
but I don't think I could have imagined anyone else playing those parts except for Anne Hathaway and Julie Andrews. Um, no. So the filming, no. the filming predominantly yeah. took place in the Walt Disney Studios in Burbank, California. Um, coincidentally, the same soundstage where they filmed Mary Poppins, and now it's known. Um, now it's known as the Julie Andrews stage, which I think Aww. is completely appropriate and amazing. Um, mm. So it was filmed on a budget of $26 million. Um, and then obviously it kind of made, I guess, like 100% more than that or something. It's crazy. Um but yeah, I'm just going to quickly move on to the yeah. costume design while we're at this kind of behind the scenes. As we all know, Julie Andrews and Anne Hathaway looked mm-hmm. absolutely gobsmackingly gorgeous. Um, and that was because they were mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. dripped in diamonds and Chanel and Christian Dior clothes. Um, and yeah. the reason behind that was because Gary Marshall worked with a costume designer called Gary Jones. And again, it's somebody that Marshall works with a lot. I think she was also on uh, the costume design Pretty Woman. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I probably am. Um, but she, yeah, she's worked with Marshall prior. Um, and they were a couple for 10 years, which is a fun fact. Um... um so she basically oh, okay. I've got this from an article so she basically describes um, the costumes required for its character um, as a costume designer's dream come true so Jones worked closely with Andrews while designing Clarice's costume um, drawing inspiration from Chanel Bill Blask and Christian Dior um, of course like she has this very like again what I call Emily Gormore-esque outfits from Gilmore Girls she wears all Chanel and all of this um, but the gowns that she wears to the state, din- mm-hmm. uh, state dinner is um, an homage to her stage role as My Fair Lady's Eliza Doolittle um, and the gown was like kind of handmade in China I think mm. um, it's a beautiful gown I really love that gown um, I think I love I think I love the uh, Mia's one better actually the blue I think it's the blue one that one um, so um, Jones described or envisioned Mia as a character who's kind of obviously shy about her body um, opting to dress her in layers layers um, consisting of long sleeves and loose fitting clothes mm. um, and so the periwinkle like gown that she wore at that state dinner thing was in- inspired by a dress worn by um, Princess Victoria of Sweden Oh right. Um, um, and Jones describing it as a bow to the Renaissance and Romeo and Juliet accessorizing edit accessorizing it with an eighteen carat diamond ring. I mean, of course, who doesn't good look good in diamonds? Yep. Okay. Um, the jewelry and tiara um, that Andrews wore um, during the final scene consists of mm. at least half a million dollars worth of diamonds um which was loaned to them by harry winston who is a very notable um and very 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 expensive um jewelry designer um Mm. uh company 
you know whatever um and it was it because it was like uh estimated such a large amount she basically had to like have security guards with her at all time like on the set to protect her i mean of course well, i'm not surprised um, and to make sure like nothing wow. was stolen or whatever yeah um and then the the yeah. so the the ball gown that she wears in the end um i think it's the end um was accessorized with a hundred carat necklace compromising four rows of diamonds so that is insane like they she's literally dripping in diamonds wow um wow and hathaway's jewelry obviously wasn't as expensive like they basically made it like from kind of scratch mm. that's what it's saying um the tr and her jewelry yeah um and yeah it's so oh, impressive so i mean they impressive. both looked amazing mm. still um yeah but yeah, yeah i think beautiful. that's all i have um and the last fact that i have is kind of a put to um england's I'm I'm gonna say the United Kingdom's plight right now. Genovia, ladies and gentlemen, unlike the UK, is in the European Union. <laughs> <laughs> A small dig there, fee. <laughs> I know. Wink, wink. <laughs> at, at Boris. Um, I've always wanted to live in Genovia. Um, I wish I could live there right now. Um, there's no COVID cases there at the moment. Clarice has got everything in control. Um, Mia's living it up with her kids and that prince guy. Mm. Um, so I, I would, I think I'm really considering moving to Genovia because I mean, everywhere else is just getting too much. Yeah. And if I want anyone to lead me into victory, I want it to be Julie Andrews and Anne Hathaway. <laughs> That's good to know. Please. Those are the leaders that I choose. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, pick your own, pick your own leaders. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm gonna hand it over to the lovely Let's Belle. Let's see. So, I am. So I'm going to dive into music first. So, like always, we're looking at the soundtrack and, um. So to start with, um, there were 16 songs um, in the soundtrack and they were all released by Walt Disney Records. Um, it was released in 2001 and all the music, all the songs, um, sorry, um, feature either pop rock, teen pop or dance pop tracks, which I guess were like really popular at that time because what it came out yeah. in 2001. So yeah, that was like the Especially big that thing Supergirl song. Back then. Yeah, exactly. And I know it from Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> That's my knowledge. But literally, that was their era. It was that time when, yeah, they were all coming out with like, they were actresses and then dabbing in music at that time. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I made a note of the ones that I did um, that stood out to me and that I actually recognized because in all the other movies that we've done I don't think I've recognised as many names or as many bands or songs so yeah that was um, interesting but um, yeah yeah. so uh, okay so yeah so one of the songs was actually um, sang by Backstreet Boys I don't know if you spotted that at any point um, it's called What Makes You Different oh yes <laughs> I remember that song very <laughs> <And> well then... <laughs> 
and then obviously stupid cupid which um um we um briefly brought up earlier um was sang by mandy moore and there's a song by steps which i'm surprised oh, mandy, by yeah. because obviously um if you don't know guys it's um steps were like a big British, yeah. um uk but yeah. yeah british band um back in the day and they say um the song's called happy go lucky Was it in the movie yeah it's in the movie i just don't remember where it comes up but it was in the movie <laughs> Happy go lucky. I know that. And song. then I don't um, think it was on the movie. Hang on. Okay, anyways, carry on. And then um, we've got Bewitched. Oh, yes. Um, it's called. Yeah, it wasn't there, wasn't no, it? No, sorry, I was saying about um, Bewitched. Oh, Bewitched. Sorry. <laughs> Bewitched. Um, and the song is called Hold On. And basically, the um the ideas that the move movie pres- um. I was going to say movie procedures, movie producers. <laughs> when the idea that the movie producers wanted to convey from the soundtrack was a sense of girl power. Mm-hmm. And that theme definitely comes through throughout the movie. So I think they did a good job there. But um, that's all I have to touch on for the soundtrack. Now going on to the script. So this is classed as a romantic comedy family mm-hmm. film for me i thought i mean if 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 i didn't know that i would have seen it more as a coming of age slash family movie i that's what yeah, i think i mean yeah de- i think de- um the comedy definitely comes through but it's not mm-hmm. so strong and then the romance is even more like i feel like it's um, very pg yeah so I, it doesn't really jump out i guess as much as a comedy does but um, I mean, in general, I thought it was quite a light-hearted movie that um appropriate for um young preteen girls and um uh, girls in their early teens, and yeah, um, sure. Let's see. So, what was the next point? And um, I thought it was um it was quite predict predictable um, and it's something that a lot of girls can relate yeah. to. And I guess at that age, predictable is a good thing. It's like, oh, you know, it's what we're used to kind of thing. So, yeah. And then um, it's quite a con- conventional storyline. So it's um, it's almost like a cartoon slash fictional Disney princess coming to life. It's got that Cinderella, Cinderella vibe of the, you know, the girl that wasn't noticed before suddenly becomes like a beautiful princess who mm-hmm. wears gowns so it's a bit of a i don't i i would kind of say it's a bit of a spin on cinderella like a modern spin on cinderella maybe um and then you've got um um back to the comedy element um i think that definitely shines through especially when you look at characters like the hairdresser um and he's he's very his character's very exaggerated <laughs> yeah and um the beast he's, like really like outgoing and loud and things like that and you've also got Mia's neighbor who um he's a bit of a weirdo <laughs> such a weirdo <laughs> but he definitely adds that comedy element as well. what does he say this is the funniest one where she's like she promised to come for tea but that day never came or something like that yeah he's like writing a script he's so crazy <laughs> He's like making up random lines as he's like observing what's going on in Mia's house, and um, f- um, I thought the script showed a good um a good contrast between like the wealthy and the unwealthy. Mm-hmm. 
so in the beginning just for a bit of background for anyone that hasn't watched it um in the beginning um, mia doesn't know that she's a princess just like fee mentioned at the beginning mm -hmm. and she lives in like a um a reformed firehouse yeah. i think um not reformed sorry remodeled it's yeah, been like remodeled into yeah. a livable yeah refurbished yeah and there's been like refurbished into like a livable home yeah. so um you've got the side um the side of her that is just of an average person you know that walks down the street and then you've also got her grandma who's got her you know her prim and proper ways so you've got that unrefinedness that clashes with the prim and proper mm -hmm. and that also adds to the comedic element mm -hmm. as well and then the setting um it's mainly set in mia's house uh, at her school and then in her grandma's house so those are the three main places and then we do see a bit of scenery um around san francisco so um this especially comes through when mia decides to um, take her grandma sightseeing yeah. and they have like a yeah. day out so yeah so i think he definitely um gary marshall um definitely took advantage of like the scenery in mm -hmm. san francisco and then so these were the gaps i mentioned earlier that i thought there were there were a few gaps in the movie and um um these are the kind of things that i wondered like could have i mean i guess there is a part two but if you only watch the part mm -hmm. one um i feel like um there were things that were left a bit open yeah. so um open-ended so for example what happens with queen clarice and joe's relationship yeah because we see them kind of start to blossom into something more than bodyguard and um queen mm -hmm and we see that there might be some kind of romantic spark between yeah. them and then the next thing is how yeah so my thing was how did jeremiah end up as lily's date for the ball because throughout the movie she's like horrible to him that's very and then true he's her date and i was and i was like how did that happen so i thought that was a bit of a questionable moment as well i'm guessing because they're like and sorry then, i'm guessing because they're like mm just like friends so i'm because she's kind of in that kind of friends group with her and mia so i'm guessing that he's just kind of like mm. an option b to them so he's just, he was like her default yeah date. he's just kind of like an <laughs> add-along if that makes sense yeah and then of course this is what i mentioned before about lily's um i would have liked to know more about lily's no sorry not lily um mia's mother's relationship with mia's teacher mm-hmm and then the next thing was my favorite moment which um which was mia speech which uh, yeah. which is towards the end of the film and yeah. it's almost like a monologue where she's um having to de deliver a speech about wanting to actually take on the throne because earlier on mm -hmm. again if you haven't watched it um she has doubts about whether she's ready and if she can do it mm -hmm. um if she can be queen of Genovia, um princess sorry of genovia and um rule you know so um billions of millions of people so i love that speech i thought it was very it was very um it wasn't that um the usual cliche speech mm -hmm. it was very um i thought it was, it was very thought out yeah so yeah i like that and did you have a favorite moment fee do you think i think i had so i really liked the part where she like took out the grandma for like a tour around san francisco i thought it was really personal and like mm. i loved it like 
Okay, I know they have a strange relationship, and obviously we'll talk about that more. But I think it was really nice that they, like, mm. sh- the uh, like Clarice also made an effort to get to know her granddaughter, and like, she realized that she was kind of mm. too harsh on her and giving her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, um, right. And then I also like the bit where, like, you know, when like she has her makeover and like Joe sees her crying. Um, and it's like one of my favorite quotes and he's like oh, yeah. no one has a power to make you um like feel mm. feel inferior feel without inferior. your permission and then she's like oh that's Eleanor Roosevelt yeah. and I'm like yes that's yeah. such a cute moment I love her and Joe's relationship as well um so I would say those two points I think they were really yeah, cute definitely. and very heartwarming and then onto the naysayers aka the critics <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh god. Um, so yeah, I mean, Here I mentioned go. predictable before, which, I in this context with a, you know, a typical, f- almost fairy tale like movie, it's expected. So I don't th- personally, I don't mm-hmm. think predictable in this movie is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But critics thought it was predictable. It delivered recyclable comedy. <laughs> um. So basically, well, where? yeah, actually, yeah, exactly, exactly, Sorry. actually, um, delivers recyclable comedy. Um, Don't mess with the, Julia um, the dialogue and screenplay was cliche. Mm, yeah, and um, they thought Rose that um, the um, coming of age. Oh, edit, and they thought that um, they um, basically what I would call the coming of age underlying theme of the movie or themes of the movie when um for instance this idea of the geek has transformed mm-hmm. into a beautiful princess this idea of like mean girls that basically taunt her which we see in the form of like the mm-hmm. cheerleaders and then um her having like really horrible classmates mm-hmm. they just thought it was all it all added to the cliche cliched played out mm-hmm. um movie tropes basically and then I mean on another note a lot of critics thought it was charming mm-hmm. and one of the um, nice the nicer quotes that I saw was I'm just going to read it out so it said one of the most delightful and touching comedies to grace the big screen in years in years that features no swearing no sex no violence no drugs and no dull moments which I agree with I didn't think it had a dull moment yeah Hang on to that oh and then um, just on my final point, a lot of them tended to compare it to Pretty Woman, which, of course, um, I think Fee may have mentioned or I have might, may have mentioned that Gary Marshall directed as well. But they tended to compare it to Pretty Woman and they basically said it's more of a an age appropriate version of Pretty Woman. I think one of them said without the disturbing prostitute storyline. <laughs> oh, my God, really? I mean, but yeah, a lot of them tended yeah. to like compare it, which... I thought was a strange comparison because and it, it actually kept coming up the more I looked into like all the critics mm. it did keep coming up which I was surprised by I mean listen I think I understand why that analogy is drawn because mm. yes I guess Pretty Woman is a modern tale of like a princess being saved and whatever but also it's kind of like I mean I haven't watched Pretty Woman in in ages and I'm Mm -hmm. kind of basing it in what I remember so I might be wrong but it's kind of based on this man rescuing her blah 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 
However, I think in I think we also kind of touched on this in during that Valentine's Day discussion that mm-hmm. we have to remember that like this movie was made for preteens you know young girls who are watching i mean you know girls like me and you who at that time were probably under 10 or something yeah and that definitely movie was made for us so that we would be empowered um Mm -hmm. there is no strong male character aside from i guess well i mean even joe i think joe is kind of a supporting character but it Mm -hmm. is the whole thing about being reliant on women and then women running countries mm. of course i think it does like stay away from it like in the second movie like it has a deeper discussion about this whole the politics about gender and blah blah, blah. i think though this movie was a great introduction about about the whole gender politics and you know empowering young girls that they can be whatever they want including princesses and again yeah. I know I saw I when I kind of researched this movie I heard a lot of good things about like Anne Hathaway's performance and then Julie Andrews performance some of the critics I, thought their performances were decent oh, decent critics was, don't you mess was, with Anne Hathaway was like you? the word that kept popping up if it related to like their performances they were like oh they had they did it they yeah it was a decent performance well to those yeah. r- reviewers I say go fuck yourself because um, Julie Andrews is queen and so is Anne Hathaway and they are both queens together and they have made my childhood so go fuck yourself um, go, uh, moving on swiftly um, yeah like I just uh, th- yeah so this movie was was made for girls like us and, and, and that's the thing that's why Gary Marshall was brought in to, to promote this premise he's not making it for like normal like he's not even making it for teenagers he was literally making the movie that his granddaughters would have would have loved mm. to watch and would have loved to aspire to and be inspired by that's the whole thing that that's the right. whole article i i read that that's why he kind of took on this movie um is to really empower the female voice and um you know you, yeah the the younger female girls where else i mean aside from hannah montana do you have a, <laughs> a movie that is like that talks about female strength and power and you know like um and with such dignity and grace as well like there's no um except for she she literally just says shut shut up and like yeah stuff like that like where else are you gonna find a movie like that that like achieves the goal so um so properly that makes sense yeah that's my whole yeah, it take does. on it it's it like does. again you have to be aware of the target audience that it was made for you can't accept this as a normal movie um and you have to trust the director's vision like behind Mm. the movie yeah Mm. that's how i would like to end this on (laughs) okay and then on that note i think we're going on to the um i think this question tends to come up um in Mm. all of our um episodes and what did you think about the portrayal of um the female relationships um so i think it did a good job in in except for one case i think um i think i think her mum and so i'm talking about mia and her mum's character like i think they had a really cool relationship it was like a friend um it was like a friendship and i think at that age and that's what i aspire to if i was you know if i were to become a mother I, I would aspire to 
be obviously not at like young age but to have a friendship with your daughter especially when she's going through like when she's 15 and 16 and you you know and you want her to tell you things that she probably can't tell her friends and stuff I love that they have that bond between them yes it gets a bit thingy when it gets a bit kind of blurred when like she we find out that she knew the secret and didn't tell Mia like that's that is Mm. really horrible and probably should not have happened but again it comes from this very protective side of wanting to protect her daughter from this responsibility and like what follows the the crown as we have all seen you know in real life and you know the negative effects of royalty and all of that um so i love the relationship that they have i think it's phenomenal i also really love the relationship that clarice and um the uh, helen i think that's him so i love the relationship that clarice and helen share mia's mother there's no spite clarice has no spite with her because of the divorce there's no hatred of any sense there's no tip there's a really good and firm understanding of why um helen took the decision or like even um um trying to find the name Philippe and Helen took this decision of like divorcing because they didn't want to put this responsibility and put this attention on on you know her child and his you know their child sorry um so I love that and I love that they're like kind of figuring out this really like new dynamic that she has um with uh with now obviously Mia and Clarice um moving on to that I don't und- like I I don't understand why they called it an estranged relationship. I don't think it's... I mean, maybe it is estranged. Like, yeah, that was kind of horrible for her to ignore um, Mia. But also, I do think that she's coming from um, the place of respecting her... Like, respecting Helen's wishes in terms of, like, keeping Mia out of everything. And I feel like she would have done the same, like, if Philippe was alive. But, you know, she... I think after he passed away, she kind of felt this obligation of telling her the truth and then coming back and like really working on a relationship because I'm guessing that's what Philippe would have loved for Mia and um, Clarice to get along. So I I, Mm, I do love all the female relationships except for one, which is I'm really not a fan of Lily in this movie. I'm going to clarify. Yeah, Yeah, I'm really not a fan. in this movie the second movie Lily is an amazing friend and I love her but in this movie she's kind of negative if I were to use that word mm-hmm. I was gonna say kind abusive of? but it's, mm. she, it's not really very abusive, so. I um, yeah I, I I don't know I think that scene again that we talked about before of her like t- like telling me that she's like conformed or like she's I don't know what she used, but she's mm. like telling me that she looks horrible because um, she's gotten a makeover or whatever. And I agree to a certain extent. I, I agree that she, they, sh- I think from my perspective now as an adult, I think Mia was fine the way she was. Like she's beautiful either way. And I think that when she would have grown up, she would have had a glow up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, it was pending. But again, like, the glow up was pending. It was pending, exactly. <laughs> But I don't think um, Lily should have been that harsh in terms of like telling her she basically looked awful. And like when she's already, when someone is already so insecure about how they look and wants to basically be invisible for the rest of their life, um, 
I think, uh, yeah, I think Lily is really kind of oppressive at times. Um, Definitely. And, and, you know, that is her personality, yeah, of course. But also it's a really, it can, if continued, it can try and become, and yeah, it can become a really negative Mm. and toxic part of your life um, um, if you have a friend like that. And she's her only friend, Mm. which is also a thing that you have to bear in mind. Um, but as I said, I really, I mean, in the book again, she's quite, she's p- p- portrayed as a different person, but I really don't like her in this movie and I don't think she's a good friend too. Yeah, no, um, I 100% agree. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. No, I agree 100%. Sorry. Um, I, um, yeah. So what did you think, Belle? Yeah. So I, th- yeah, I mean, with I actually agree with all your points for all the female relationships. One thing to just add on to what you just said about Lily and um, Mia's relationship is the thing you touched on, um, which was Mia's makeover, is actually, um, it reminded me of a critique that I saw. And um, the critic was basically saying that if it was something along the lines of if you want, if you don't want your daughter to have um, insecurities, don't let her watch this movie. Um, because this movie basically says she needs a makeover and shows that she says that she needs to change herself, which I don't. That's not the that's not the idea. But I mean, I get where that's coming from. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I thought it was interesting that you. No, I mean, yeah, that's it. That's it. But yeah, it was just basically trying to say that it would bring up insecurities in a young girl because obviously that's the target audience that it's um, geared towards I think and in like in relation to what we were talking about before about the generational gap I think this is what it's coming to like I don't want to be I don't want to generalize because obviously people in our generation have probably felt this way too but I think um the younger generation oh my god it sounds so old when I say that but like the generation below us basically <laughs> could possibly be affected by this movie because it is you know we do live in the age of something like if you don't like it you can change it and in you know it is right yeah it is it is um it's totally okay like do what you want to a certain extent um but yeah nowadays it can send the message of um you know yeah if you don't like something about you'll change yourself but i also think it's not as deep as the critics are making it it's not in terms of Mm -hmm. this movie doesn't deal with if you want if you don't like things about yourself change yourself in terms of surgical and like cosmetic Mm -hmm. procedures Mm -hmm. it's more of Mm -hmm. waxing your eyebrows which is what a 15 year old has probably already started doing like i Mm -hmm. did my eyebrows when i was 14 13 years old the first time i did them right um and probably you know maintaining your hair or stuff like, like those are i think mm. it's not a makeover taking better care of yourself it's not a makeover mm. as i i think i we're using the wrong word i think it's not a makeover it's more of a grooming session and she's basically taught yeah, how right to, yeah i think that's more appropriate yeah she's basically taught how to care for herself and it's it's a form of self-care you know like kind of oh it's not that you don't look good but here's what you could do if you just kind of kind of groomed and like Mm. wanted to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. or whatever not saying that that's completely needed a woman is allowed to do whatever like if you want to grow your hair out like you can do whatever you want what Mm. you still are beautiful i think 
th- that's what I, mm-hmm. I what I meant when I mentioned like she's still pretty pretty without the makeover. She didn't need the makeover. I think mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. she's a fifteen year old girl. She'll she'll do that naturally. Um, I yeah, but I agree with you where where the critic does say that like these kind of insecurities can develop in something harsher mm-hmm. and pe- you know people can make girls or women and even boys um young boys can make changes to themselves that are permanent and can you know turn out to be unhealthy and um whatever but i do think i think again what we said the premise of it's not a makeover it's kind of a grooming or self-care routine um yeah yeah. and it's just like you touched on once again that in our you know when we watched it back in 2001 I I don't think it would have been a big deal to say to even say call it a makeover because I don't think anyone really would have thought oh plastic surgery and you know all these um yeah you know different ways that you want to alter yourself but I guess you know fast forward to Mm -hmm. watching it in 2021 you you know you you have to think of social media and being able to use filters and being able to look different and being able to um you know photoshop and you know see celebrities or people that you class as role models you know getting plastic surgery so when you look in when you look at it in the context of you know Mm -hmm. modern day 2021 you know a, a 2021 movie then I get where the critic is coming from but back then I I don't think it would have been an issue at all and I don't think it would have been worth commenting on but I guess yeah things change as the years go by so yeah yeah I think it's also again like you said social media didn't dictate us and thank god we had a childhood without social media because I know like I can't even imagine what it must be like for these kids who have to you know they're, if they're bullied at school they come back and they're bullied online or mm-hmm. they think that this version of beauty is more um, mm-hmm. appealing than another and like it's such a mm-hmm. dark thought and I'm <laughs> we, we just got too deep <laughs> but yeah um, there okay so I think the last question would be how are men portrayed in this movie um, so Belle I would love for your penny for your thoughts. So men, women are definitely um, more vocal in this movie. Um, men are more side characters, and I think we saw we saw a range of different male male characters. So we saw the typical bad boy that um, goes to her school, the one that she fawns over, and then. He's an idiot. He's not even a bad boy. He's like a stupid idiot, honestly. Like I, I, I want to slap him. Anyways, carry on. I think I have to remind Fee that it's just a movie. <laughs> I don't feel, agree. I feel like he just he reminds me of those. He reminds me of boys I used to know in primary school. And I just want to slap him across the face. Anyways, but I think he def- they definitely portray him as the typical, you know, fifteen-year-old boy who's. Mm-hmm a bit obnoxious he's got the cheerleader girlfriend and i'm sure you know using your imagination you can imagine what he's like he's not a very pleasant character yeah so we've obviously got that and then we've also got michael who's a really sweet guy um um he 
he's got like um he really likes Mia but hasn't can't tell her and he's in a band and he's just really sweet so we see the two sides you know the two sides of it two sides of a coin basically you've got the you know the bad boy and then you've got the you know the nice guy that kind of goes unnoticed and then at the end he kind of wins her heart and then you've got joe who i really liked and he's like the father figure for her because her dad's passed away not that she even really had ever lived with her dad but he seems to kind of take over from there and he's now the father figure so i did like um i i did like it um I mean, none of the male figures come into contact with each other, really. Um, they they all kind of stand stand alone. Yeah. You don't really see them interact with each other. Um, but then again, like I said, they're more mm-hmm. side characters, and um, the women seem to take on more um, more of the bigger roles. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what do you think? Please? I think I'd agree with everything you said. Yeah, exactly. I mm. think um, hate this dude what's the name Josh he's such an <laughs> idiot and I'm so glad she um, threw a ball at his balls <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm here for comic relief people <laughs> so is Belle we need to find different ways anyways um, yeah <laughs> um, Michael is so sweet and sensitive he's so cute bless him he has a weird fetish for pe- M&M's though I don't understand the pizza and M&M's. That was disgusting. I, what I didn't understand was why he had M&M's on his... When he was playing yes. the piano. And the, the M&M's were That's on the piano. Yes. I, was, I was like, what, what's that about? Maybe he's like... Like, to figure out what note it is or something. Or maybe he just gets hungry. Anyways. <laughs> moving on um but yeah i think the standout in this car uh, in this movie um is hector elizondo as joe i think joe is just such a like mediator i think i see him in this film between mm-hmm. clarice right, and yeah. mia um i think i love the way he puts clarice in check like even though she's the queen he's like you need to you need to you know treat her as your granddaughter rather than mm-hmm. a princess and she's trying her best mm-hmm. and Anne Hathaway is just such like Mia is just such a cute like a little fragile character and I love her um and he's just so delicate and yeah I like you said I, he's like the f- I, I wouldn't say father I'd probably say like grandfather kind of thing because you know mm. gets it on with queen of Genovia her grandma I know <laughs> go grandma um he yeah so I think that's why I would like say that he's like a really good paternal um mm. aspect that she has in her life and, and their relationship and bond is really cute um yeah I don't I don't think I blame the dad as much because again I think it was him him I think him and I think his estrangement was because he wanted to keep her mum and her out of this royal like life I guess mm-hmm. which is totally understandable but I mean yeah I think um, I mean it would have been nice if he was there for a little bit I don't blame him but mm-hmm. whatevs <laughs> those are our thoughts <laughs> yeah okay Belle it's time for rating the movie what out of five would you rate the Princess Diaries out of. 
that makes I sense. I would rate it a three and a half, which I, th- or maybe even a four. Huh. And I think, I mean, I, th- I definitely think it deserves a higher rating than all the movies we've done so far. Because what what's so interesting yeah. about this movie is there's so little romance, but the romance that does happen, I feel like she's very um, she's not um, oh what's the word I'm looking for? She's not um, aware. Not not that she's not aware. She's not impulsive. That's the word. She's not impulsive about it. Whereas in all the other movies. When we see characters like um, Baby and Dirty Dancing, she the relationship is so impulsive and it just it's mm-hmm. like a whirlwind. And then in all the, in all the movies mm-hmm. that have followed, I feel like we've seen old older ca- people, you know, older mm-hmm. people in those roles. Yet they don't seem to know how to be in a healthy yeah, relationship. Whereas, yeah, what's interesting is that with Mia, she's so young yet she's very mm-hmm. sensible. And she goes about things in a different way than like I feel like all the other movies and romantic relationships yeah, definitely. um we've seen in the past. So I definitely have to give it a rating higher than any other movie so far. So I'd give it a four. I mm, I feel like a four's generous a three and a three three point seven five. <laughs> Just way precise. I love it. Um I think I what would you rate it? Okay, because obviously I love this movie. Um, I was going to say five, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. It doesn't have a big enough romantic aspect. And obviously this is a rom-com podcast. Mm. So, I mean, I'd be lying to myself if I gave it a five. Um, I think it was more about herself and, um, you know, yeah, being her, being her own woman, basically. Um, so in that mm. sense I'd give it a 4 out of 5 because long live Julie Andrews long live Anne Hathaway and R.I.P. Gary Marshall one of my favourite directors um, I just I think again it's the nostalgia that's also coming into play when I rate this and it was one of my favourite book series to read yeah. growing up so on that note wonderful, give it a 4 out of 5 ladies and gents Amazing. It's interesting that we both rated it yeah. higher than any other movie that we've seen. I mean, I think... Have I given Valentine's Day 4 out of 5 as well? Oh, I don't remember. Maybe I gave it 3 out of 5. I can't remember. I can't remember. But yeah. No, this was definitely mm. one of my favourites to watch again. Yeah. Unlike last um, week. <laughs> Leap here. Oh my god. It was like a... I wanted to kill myself. Um, Please I'm don't joking. do that. Uh... <laughs> Please don't do that. Sorry. Um, I shouldn't have said that. I kind of want to just go through some of my notes if I have like something to say. Yeah, like... go ahead. Um, yeah, my thing was just I just love Genovia and I wish I could live in it. But yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, there was... Okay, so there were two things where I really... I don't know if I'm going to leave this in, but there was a really horrible joke about bulimia. <gasps> yes. I don't know if you call um, that. It's when she, after was, she, um, she was um, in the drama, uh, no, no, debate, when she almost threw up and then the fast debate, forward, yeah. one of the cheerleaders says, um, yeah. she says something about, oh, play a really yeah. Good something. yeah. 
And it's so it's yeah. so weird to hear it in 2021 because back then we yeah. probably I mean I don't think I even knew what bulimia was when I was like I don't even know what that it, age yeah I don't so even I don't know think what I would have yeah. even thought anything of it and now to think that was like so, you know a joke like that could just be made made so easy it's just like oh very yeah. sensitive um. The next one is literally, oh my god, Lily is such a horrible friend. Let the girl grieve about her dad. It's only been two months. Yeah, that's like not addressed as much. Her dad only passed mm-hmm. away for two months and we're expected for her to move on, which is yeah ridiculous. So There's a point that Lily's like, oh, it's already been two months. Like, how come you're not over it already? You never so lived annoying. with him. It's and annoying. it's like, yeah, but he's still her dad. He's still her dad. <laughs> like, yeah. <sighs> Just because you don't like your parents. <laughs> like, do you know she literally berates on her, like, parents? It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's so funny. She's like, they think she has an attitude problem. And I'm like, yeah, everyone Did else you does do. too, Lily. We all think Did you, you have do. an attitude problem. Exactly. You, we all think you do. Yeah. Um, Because this is a... Princess- oh, go for it. What was your question? I'm... Yeah. Because this is a Princess Diaries podcast episode... Um, I think I should end it on. Has anyone? Oh my gosh! I think I know what you're gonna say. Oh, has okay. anyone ever made your foot pop? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, you? I mean, no, 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 not yet. <laughs> but I'm hopeful. <laughs> I'm hopeful for the future, guys. Um. Yeah, I think that's I it, think you we've guys. Come to the end of episode six. All right, all right, all and right. And next week, if um, correct me if I'm wrong, Fee, but I believe next week we'll be diving into Princess Diaries two. Yeah, yeah. So tune in again to episode seven, Princess Diaries two, and once again, make sure that you're cozy you've got your popcorn and hot chocolate whatever you need to keep you comfortable and yeah join us once again to listen to what we've got to say and share with you and um yeah okay um so if you guys want to drop us a line send us a question you can do now at flick talk podcast the number one at gmail.com that is the number one not O-N-E at gmail.com um, We also have a Twitter now which is at Flick Talk Pod, where you will find uh, myself and Belle embellishing on funny tweets if we have time um, and the most active account will probably be <laughs> at our Instagram account which will be at Flick Talk Pod um which is the same as the twitter handle so go ahead send us a message um share with your friends and yeah that's all about it and i bid you adieu so long oh my god we should sing that song farewell guys and we look forward to having you back with us (laughs) next week and it's so funny because julie andrews is in um it's the sound of music. So and long. Is that a song farewell, from the sound of music? So goodbye long. Farewell. To you. And you and you and you. And you. And you. <laughs>
Goodbye. <laughs> I'm singing the words right. <laughs> <laughs>